This is the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and glad in it. It's a beautiful morning. Trust you're doing okay. What a special day here at Union Chapel, baptizing so many wonderful, precious people. We're also in this series called This I Believe. These are the foundations of the Christian faith, and we are discussing some of the more important parts of understanding what it means to be a Christian in the world. Today, we want to talk about healing and signs and wonders, and I'm very excited about sharing that with you. And if you're a person in the room today who needs a, the healing grace of God in your life, or you know someone who's in a particular great need for God's healing grace, then I want to, pre- want to just encourage you at the beginning now to prepare your hearts for that, because we're going to be praying for folks at the end of the service today that you might receive God's healing power in your life, and God will touch you, and we're looking forward to that. One of the things we've been doing at the beginning of each of these messages is to recite together the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is so named because uh, the original 12 apostles, uh, this creed has 12 doctrinal assertions, and thus the name the Apostles' Creed. It is an historic confession of the Christian faith, Uh, People from every generation, every tribe, and tradition in the Christian community recognize the Apostles' Creed as a foundational doctrine. It's been in existence and in practice now for uh, over 17 centuries, and so it is historic. And so we recite it together just to remind ourselves to reaffirm our faith. And so if you're able, let me invite you to stand. We will do the Apostles' Creed together out loud. And then I'll read today's text from Acts chapter 3. Are you ready? Let's together out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, if you'll remain standing for today's text, which is Acts chapter 3, I want to read the first 10 verses. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. You can see that his limbs are being strengthened by the moment now. Walking and jumping, praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder 
and amazement. You think? At what had happened to him. May God inspire us today through his word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. The God that we serve is a healing God. He, he's a God who heals. It's, it's his move. He, he heals in all kinds of ways. Now, God oftentimes heals in cooperation with doctors and nurses and the whole medical profession. And having said that, the Bible also has a lot to say about God's healing virtue in the lives of people. I believe God's primary means of healing in today's world is through medicine and science. However, sometimes God interrupts or contracts, if you will, that process, and he will heal supernaturally or instantaneously. This is what God can do and often does. Let me just rehearse with you uh, just briefly this morning, just a short teaching on this. This is not a proper sermon. We want to leave time at the end so that we can pray for one another. First, I want to just mention that healing is found throughout the Bible. The Old Testament, we find God's promises to bring healing and health to people as they seek to follow him. And indeed, it's God's character to heal. We read in Exodus 15, 26. Listen to this. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. This is a, a means by which God identifies himself in the world toward his people. I am the Lord who heals you. It's good to know. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is about a fellow named Naaman. Naaman was a general, a high-ranking general. Uh, he served uh, the king of Aram, and Naaman was very powerful, very, very influential as a, as a leading general, and he also had a physical ailment. He suffered from leprosy. And back in the day, that, that was, it still is, a horrible skin disorder, and he suffered. He learned that there was a prophet in Judea who may be able to help him. His name was Elisha. And so he was encouraged by his entourage, his assistants, let's go check out this prophet, maybe he can help you. And he, he gets to the prophet Elisha, and Elisha says, oh yeah, God will heal you. All you have to do is humble yourself, you know, get down off your high horse. I mean, he's literally on a high horse all the time. Get down off your high horse and dip yourself in this muddy little river called the Jordan River. Dip yourself in the river seven times, and you'll be healed. And Naaman was offended. I'm not going to dip myself in that mud hole seven times. So he just, he resisted. He pushed back because he's too proud for that. And his assistant said to him, pulled him aside and said, dude, you know, what do you got to lose? You've got leprosy. It's not good. It's not pleasant. It's embarrassing. And what's it going to hurt? Even, and so he gives in to this and he dips himself. You can see him, you know, he's mumbling under his breath. And he goes down the seventh time, he comes back up. And this is what 2 Kings 5.14 says. His flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And it was a good day. Good day for Naaman and everyone associated with Naaman. And he went to Elisha after that and he said, you know, the God you serve, he must be the main guy. And Elisha said, he is. And so Naaman's faith became real in the God of Israel. And this is something that we see go hand in hand. Healing and faith oftentimes track together. If you see some great manifestation of God's healing grace in your life or another person's life, it definitely increases your faith. And so we see it true there. We see it then in the Old Testament. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. 
the teaching of Jesus. Mark 1.15, if you look on the screen, the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. So Jesus now is using a phrase that we see 80 different times in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the phrase, the kingdom of God. Jesus now saying the kingdom of God is near. It's the central theme of the teaching of Jesus, and it's agreed upon by all of history and all the scholars that the kingdom of God was the most important subject that Jesus actually taught about. And of course, the kingdom implies some political or geopolitical realm, but it also implies the rule and reign of someone. So this is my kingdom, the kingdom of God, and so this is the place where God rules and reigns. And the teaching of Jesus, the kingdom of God, then has this forward-looking, this futuristic aspect to it. Let me explain. Uh, The kingdom of God will come in its fullness, marked by the coming of Jesus Christ the second time to the earth. You do know Jesus is coming again. He came the first time, lowly Jesus, meek and mild. He's coming a second time with power and great glory. He came weak the first time. The second time, he's coming with ultimate strength. Second time. History's moving towards this climax of the glorious coming of Jesus Christ. There are, there are over 300 references in the New Testament to the second coming of Christ. And these are some of the high points. When he returns, it'll be obvious to everyone. History as we know it will end. There will be a universal resurrection. There will be a day of judgment. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus himself will be there, and so will all who love and obey him. It will be a place of intense happiness that will go on forever. We shall have new bodies that are imperishable and glorious. Somebody say, yes, brand new bodies. The older I become, the more excited I am about the idea of having a new body. If you are young in the room today, mind your own business. Just (laughs) don't even look at me. There will be no more death, no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Let me summarize. I'll put this on the screen. All who believe will be totally healed on that day. Praise God. That's wonderful news. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, let's just say it this way, not everyone's going to be perfectly healed in our physical bodies. Romans 8.23 says, we groan inwardly as we get old, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. And then this last phrase, listen to this phrase, are you listening? The redemption of our bodies. So not only are we going to be renewed spiritually and and soulishly, but we're going to be renewed in our bodies too. Jesus is the firstborn of the resurrection. Jesus is in heaven at this moment, in his body, a glorified body, imperishable body, and we too will be reunited with our bodies. This is called the resurrection. Now, let me just say also that I have prayed for a great many, of pe- a great many people who have not been healed. Prayed for a lot of folks for God's healing grace to touch their lives, and they've not been healed. Um, What I've discovered following Jesus now for over 50 years in this life is that the great prize of this life is salvation. That is the great prize. The idea that God has intervened on our behalf by the offering of his very own son, Jesus Christ, to die as a satisfaction for the the penalty, for the price of our sins, so that 
by placing our trust in his finished work on the cross, we too can be forgiven of our sins and made right with God and ready to be at peace with him forever. That is the great prize of this life, to find such a salvation. It is a wonderful thing. So if God gives you a healthy body for the most part during the journey here, then all the better. So there's a future fulfillment of the healing grace of God. Uh, When Jesus comes, he sets up his kingdom and our bodies are restored. That's a future promise. Having said that, there is also a present aspect to the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. So we see the signs, the dawning, the budding of an approaching kingdom in the life and ministry of Jesus himself. Jesus told the Pharisees one day, the kingdom of God is within you, Luke 17. Jesus suggested that the kingdom is is something that can be discovered and experienced in this time, in this moment. One of my favorite references is found in Luke's gospel, chapter 4. Jesus goes into the temple one day, and an attendant there hands him the scrolls to the prophet Isaiah. We know from our Bibles now that have chapter and verses in there so that we can easily, more easily reference passages of the scripture. Those were all added later in history. And so Jesus opens the scroll of Isaiah, and he begins to read. And it's actually from Isaiah 62, chapter 62, verses 1 and 2. And he begins to read from the prophet Isaiah in front of a full house in the temple. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach, to preach good news to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It is a, it's a powerful witness to Messiah and the blessing of God that will come upon him and flow through him. He rolls up the scroll, hands it to the attendant, and then he sits down. All the eyes are upon him. And then this is what Jesus said. He said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. How cool is that? In this present moment, in the right here and right now, the kingdom is present. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a wonderful moment that reminds us of the present day, momentary, contemporary reality of our lives that God, his rule and reign, his kingdom has manifested itself in the world. And it's very exciting. And we see this first in the life of Jesus who went about from that place forgiving people's sins, suppressing the evil one, healing the sick, on and on it goes. So here's the point. Here's the Perspective I want you to get. Look on the screen. The kingdom of God then is both now and not yet. It's present tense, yes, and not yet fully. The first coming of Jesus, the age to come, was realized in principle and example. The second coming of Jesus, the kingdom will be ultimately and fully realized. So we live in between the times. The age to come has broken into history. We see it in the life of And ministry of Jesus himself, the future kingdom, has broken in. And so so we are aware of that, sensitive to that, that the kingdom is coming. It's not quite yet, but it is here in part, and we live in that moment. Now let's talk about the actual ministry of Jesus when it comes to healing. He didn't heal everyone, but he healed many people. 25%, for example, of the Gospels are utilized to depict the healing miracles of Jesus interesting, isn't it? 
Matthew writes in a very systemic way. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, look on the screen with, with me. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. When you ask the question, what was the ministry of Jesus? It was a ministry of preaching and teaching and healing. This is what he did. This was, this was, this was his priorities, preaching, teaching, healing. And we see these three things evidenced throughout the gospel. So there's the actual ministry of Jesus. You say, well, that was Jesus and good for him. You know, he had, you know, he had a, an advantage over most of us because he was God, stuff like that. And he can do whatever he wants. He can heal people. He can do miracles. Well, not only did Jesus do this kind of ministry, but he commissioned others to do this kind of ministry. In Matthew chapter 10, he calls the 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 10, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. He said to them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. You say, okay, well, that's the original 12. You know, they were special. Okay, now wait. We read also in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, this is what I've done. Now you go and do the same. And he's talking to 72 folks, just some folks. Like we picked out 72 people out of the crowd today and said, okay, now you guys heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And that's exactly what they did. The book of Acts is called Acts. Acts of the Apostles, they preached the good news and demonstrated the inbreaking of the kingdom to the world. So today, we should expect God to heal as part of his inbreaking of the kingdom of God into our time, into our space, into the here and now, into this moment in this service. So we see healing in the Bible. Second of all, we see healing in the church history. We find this beautiful miracle from Acts chapter 3 that we've rehearsed already this morning. This lame beggar, he's been there since birth. Friends carry him to this gate. It's a prominent place. People come by. He's shaking a tin cup. This is how he subsists. He begs for a living. Everybody knows who he is. They've seen him for years, hanging out in front of the temple. And Peter and John come along, and they say, we don't have any money, but what we have we'll give to you. And in Three minutes later, the guy's running and leaping, never done it in his life. It's an astonishing miracle. You say, well, that's, just, that's the early apostles, but look what else happened to these guys. In Acts chapter 5, they were actually laying handkerchiefs on the apostles. They removed the handkerchief from the apostle, and then they would lay it on people who were sick, and the sick would recover. That's, that's interesting. Even more than that, they laid the sick in the streets. You know, the most desperate among them, they laid them in the streets so that when the apostles walked by, because they had a regular route they might take to the temple or whatever, so they knew they'd be coming by at a certain time. And they did so in hopes that the sun, as it came on the side of an, of an apostle, the shadow from the apostle would be cast onto the sick. And they discovered that even the shadow of the apostles was, was causing miracles to happen. That's out there. That's, that's pretty wild. We're left to say, what is going on? What does this mean? This is amazing. I have a sermon that I preached years ago. I called it the shadow of God. Could I just pause and give you the main point of that sermon? Whose shadow do you cast 
as you walk through the world? Are you casting your own shadow? Or are you casting the shadow of Jesus? Ah, well, I have to move on because that's too convicting to me personally, so we don't talk about that very long. So we have healing in church history. And then finally, we have healing today. So we have healing in the Bible, we have it in history, and we have healing today. Now, listen, we're all getting old. We're all decaying. We're all dying. Did you look in the mirror this morning? It's not good, is it? (laughs) You've discovered it takes longer every day to look as good as you did the day before. You know, just fix it up. Take it outside. Takes more time. It's not going to end well. We're all sucking air and getting old. That's a fact. Nevertheless, here's the invitation that God of the Bible, the God of history, the God who's present today, asks us in simplicity of faith to invite the healing grace of God into our lives. That's the invitation. Now, you've heard me say that I've been walking with Jesus for 52 years. This whole subject of healing and miracles, some of you haven't been around me long enough to know that uh, when I became a Christian when I was 16, I became what you might describe as a God chaser. I started chasing God. Wherever God was doing something, I wanted to go there and I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to observe it. I wanted to experience it. I want to know. Uh, And I I have maintained that posture all of these years. I want to know what in the world... God is doing, how, uh, how he's doing it, who's yet to be reached, and who, how can I be involved? What is God doing? How is he doing it? Who's yet to be reached? How can we be involved? And this has informed our mission st- strategy now for f- 40 years in the life of our church. And so healing is one of those categories where I have an interest. And this is, this is just a synopsis of what I've learned what I, real, what I realize about the subject is that it's really not all that important in the manner of healing that I know a lot about it. Now, follow me. You can study what Jesus had to say about healing in about two minutes. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God all the time. He's going about performing miracles. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's healing all the time. But on the subject of healing, he doesn't have anything to say about it. He just goes around doing it. He just heals people. We have no idea what the theology of healing is because he never talks about it. He just does it. Therefore, the further away from the presence of Christ we move, the more complicated our teaching on healing has to be. And I've read all, I've read, I've read, Scores of books over the years on healing. Some, some of my friends have written books on healing. Uh, the, the seminary professor of my seminary, the president there when I was in, uh, matriculating there, wrote a book on healing. His book was entitled, uh, The Seven Steps to Your Healing. Again, the further away from Jesus you become, the more complicated your theology of healing has to be. Therefore, you've got to have seven steps or eight steps or nine steps to your healing. Okay, six steps. I, step one, you know. 
the more immediate the reality of Christ, the less we need to talk about it, and the more likely it is he will heal among us. That may sound simplistic, that may sound naive, that may sound just almost irresponsible for some of you. I'm just telling you, this is what I've learned. I am personally, at this stage of my life, seeking to know less and less about healing. My theology of healing has now been reduced to this. Here's my, in summary, this is my theology on healing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's it. Jesus loves sick folks. Jesus cares about hurting people. So healing ultimately rests on the crystal pure love of Jesus. So in healing, let me give you some sometimes, just a brief list. This is what I've learned. I'm telling you what I, what I know. In healing, I want you to remember one thing first and foremost, that death is not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. None of us are getting out alive. Death is 100%. And death's not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. In fact, 100 years from now, it could be we'll get to all get together, just everyone in this room. We'll all get together and have a worship service, and we'll all say, you remember when you said death wasn't the worst thing? Let's, we might all agree unanimously that death was the best thing that happened to us in our life because it got us out of this and put us in a place that's a lot better than we thought it would be and wonderful in every way. So death's not the worst thing that can happen. Therefore, sometimes God will say no. You say, Lord, please heal me. God says, no. I don't know why. You don't know why. No one knows why. Maybe there'll be a reasonable explanation sometime in eternity. I don't know. I just know that sometimes God says no. His ways are higher than my ways. He's God. He's the deity. I'm not. So I have to be okay with sometimes God saying no. Sometimes God will heal in the affliction. In the affliction. Fanny Crosby was a great hymn writer from another generation. Fanny Crosby wrote 9,000 hymns. Fanny Crosby was blind. Fanny Crosby play, prayed to be healed. She was not. She remained blind. She wrote 9,000 hymns, including Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That girl was healed in her affliction. We have in our contemporary days a young woman, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, who as a young woman dove into a pool, broke her neck. She's a quadriplegic. She's been in a wheelchair for decades. And a model of Christian virtue and influence in the world. She is come to terms, come to peace, if you will, with her affliction. She has victory over it. Her attitude about it has been healed. Her relationship with it 
has been healed. Her productivity and creativity has been healed. So she's healed in the affliction. I have a, I have a dear friend who is confined to a wheelchair. And a disability keeps that person in the wheelchair all the time. Either in the bed or in the wheelchair. That's it. And speaking with her a few years ago, she said to me, just very honestly, she said, if I'm still in this chair in heaven, that'll be okay with me. And when I heard that, it kind of shocked me. But I quickly realized she has been healed in her affliction. I quickly then assured her that in heaven she will not be in a wheelchair. There will be no wheelchairs in heaven. There will be no crutches there. There will be no, uh, uh, there, there will be no missing limbs in heaven. There will be no infirm minds. There will be no hospital beds. There will be no ambulances. There will be none of that. Because in heaven, we will be completely whole and well and healed. And we will forever be well and whole. No sorrow, no crying, no tears, no pain in the place that God is taking us. So the best is yet to come. We can be confident of that. In the meantime, we might be healed in our affliction. Sometimes God heals from the affliction. All I know is once I was blind, now I see. I'm free from that affliction. I've had people coming up to me this morning in between services. I preached this sermon one time already today. People have come up and said, God's healed me. And I just hear these stories. I had this condition, it's degenerative, and now it's reversed. Now, the doctor said, if we take these, this medicine right now, do this procedure, we might be able to hold it where it is so that it doesn't degenerate any further. And, and my story is, it's not, degen- not just not degenerating anymore, it's completely well. No explanation for that. You know, those kinds of stories. Sometimes God heals progressively. A blind man went up to Jesus one day and says, I can't see. And Jesus said, well, let me pray for you. And he prays for him. And he says, how is it now? And the guy said, well, it's a little better. You know, I can, I can kind of like see people now, but they look like trees walking around. I have no definition. And Jesus said, well, let me pray for you that again. This was Jesus. <laughs> what, you couldn't get it right the first time? What are, you, what are we doing? <laughs> Sometimes God heals progressively. Sometimes God heals miraculously. I mean, I mean, a miracle. The man at the gate, beautiful, that's a miracle. When I was 20 years old, I was in Detroit, Michigan at a special conference, a Christian conference. It was on the, uh, the meetings were on the parking lot of a, of a large hotel in, in Detroit, Michigan, a tent under which 2,000 people were together. There was a man ministering one night named Bill Bazansky. Bill Bazansky was raised in Russia, miraculously converted to Christ, became an evangelist, and was traveling the world preaching the gospel of Jesus and praying for people who were sick. There was a young couple who brought their six-year-old daughter to the meeting that night. I was on the sixth row. I was 20 feet away from this. This young girl had never walked in her life. One of her, her, she had scoliosis of the spine. It was all, all curved and she had a huge brace around her back and metal braces with leather straps down her right leg. Her right leg was about nine inches shorter than her left leg and her foot was pointing the wrong direction. She had, was born crippled. So the, 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 the bone structure, the connective tissue, the, the sinew, the muscle, 
all of that was out of, out of place and underdeveloped and atrophied. And so they had these huge braces. They were trying to convince her leg to, you know, to point in the right direction and maybe at some point get her in a position where she could function somehow. She'd never walked. They, they roll this little thing up in a little wheelchair and Bill Bozanski took the braces off of this little girl's back and off her leg and he, he set them aside and he began to pray for this little girl. Not only did I see her miraculously be healed, I heard it. I was close enough to hear it. He prayed for her spine and you could hear the vertebrae in her spine just start to crack, just, just crack and pop loud enough that, you know, people within a 30-foot radius could hear it. And she just sat there in a little chair, six years old. If I described her to you, it'd make you cry just to see how precious she was, how beautiful she was, how beautiful her little curls in her hair, hair was. And she's just sitting there wondering what's happening to her. And her back begins to go straight. And then Bill Bozanski took that little girl's atrophied leg into his hand and prayed that her foot would come around to the right place. And this, this is what happened. Her, her, leg, her, 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 her leg grew just like this. And then he, he prayed for her again, and, and her foot began to just move in his hands like this. And in 10 minutes, she was running in front of us. There were 2,000 people there. there were, everyone was in tears. I was in tears. It was a miracle. I saw that with my... T- I've told this story several times at Union Chapel. There will inevitably be people listening to me right now online or in the room, and right now you're going, I don't believe that. Well, too bad for you. <laughs> too bad for you. You need, to, you need to get your God out of the box because we serve a big God. He's really big, and he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants. He's big. So you just, this has been one of my prayers for 50 years. Lord, please don't make you too small. Give me bigger faith, because you're a big God. You can do anything. So sometimes God heals miraculously. Sometimes God heals on a time delay. So let me rehearse that again. Sometimes God will say no. Sometimes he'll heal in the affliction. Sometimes he'll heal from the affliction. Sometimes God heals progressively. And sometimes God heals miraculously. And sometimes God heals on a time delay. My favorite verse of, of healing in the New Testament is Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And it very simply says, And the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to perform healing. The power of the Lord was present for, for him to perform healing. So apparently there's a presence that we can invite that provides power to heal. An associated verse is Luke 6, 19, and all the multitude were trying to touch him for power was coming from him and healing them all. See, the word got out about Jesus So that at the end of his earthly ministry, everywhere he went, he was overwhelmed with throngs of people pressing to touch him or to be touched by him. And if you knew that Jesus was going to be, you know, somewhere at a crossroads in Muncie today at one o'clock, then you would go there. And you would get there just after me. (laughs) 
And I would, I would be saying, the lime forms right behind me. <laughs> and so the power of the Lord was present to heal. I want to pray for us now. If you'll posture your heart. We're also going to baptize a number of folks this morning. And so when the music starts in just a few minutes, we'll be baptizing people. But in the meantime, I want to pray for us to receive God's healing grace. We're also going to have a team of people all along the front here who will be ready to pray for you. If you have a special need in your life for God's grace, healing grace, you can feel free to come and kneel at the, one of the rails here or ask for prayer from one of the team members. If you know someone who's in a more desperate situation and you'd like to stand in for them, to intercede for them, we'll agree with you in prayer on their behalf for their healing. But we're admonished, we're encouraged, we're invited to pray. Call the elders of the church and the prayer and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so we follow this wonderful invitation to experience God's healing grace. So let's pause and pray for just a moment. Lord, we come to you today with our eyes on Jesus. We simply confess our need. This isn't about our faith. This isn't about our hopes necessarily, not, and certainly not about our righteousness. This is about our need. And so, Lord, we remind ourselves that you are at the center of all healing. So we look to Jesus. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts, and then, I'm, then I want to pray. The first is simply this, that in my experience, my observation over the years, that unforgiveness is probably the greatest roadblock to healing. Now, you have to, you have to hear me. Unforgiveness is probably the greatest roadblock. So therefore, more people will be healed by the power of forgiveness than any other power. Now, if that challenges you today, then here's my, here's my invitation to you. Unclench your fist. Let that person go. Just let them go. I know, I know what they did may have been horrible. They don't deserve it. It's not fair. It's not just. It's not right. But it is what God asks you to do. Let me just remind you, after all, you're the one who's sick over it, not them. You're the one hurt by it, not them. Let them go. Don't let the weakness of another person keep you from God's best. Let them go. Forgive them. Receive your healing. And then the second thought is to test yourself gently. Because as we pray in just a moment, some will be healed. You'll be healed immediately. It'll probably happen. Others of you may sense that God is beginning a healing process. You know, I, f- I felt God's touch. I believe he's starting a restorative process in my life. Still, others of you will know that the love of God has touched you and that some deep work, maybe something you can't even explain or describe, is happening. But God is touching my life. So, Lord, now we come to you in the name of Jesus who is the great physician. He is the one who heals. And we know, Lord, that you love us and you care for hurting people. And now we pray that you would touch every person with your healing grace.
So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ and the authority of his name that you be whole and well and healed. In Jesus' name. And that healing grace will increase your faith and enhance your life. Cause you to be more in love and more devoted to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Now, as I turn this service over to Pastor Glenn for the baptisms, if you, as soon as we start singing in a moment, if you'd like special prayer, just come to the front. There'll be teams of people here. You can kneel alone if that's your preference. And we just want to give you opportunity to experience God's grace. Pastor Glenn.